Welcome podcast listeners, Humphrey here from Lionheart Football. Today we bring you a taste for football, our series which highlights the world of football scouting and covers the individual experiences and journeys into the game of scouts, recruitment managers and directors of football. This exciting podcast allows us to really get to know the individual stories of those responsible for scouting some of this country's best young football talent. Hello, Humphrey here from Lineup Football, and today we are joined by Ian Hazel. Ian is truly a footballing man, having been involved in football in various capacities for over 30 years. He enjoyed spells as a professional footballer with Bristol Rovers and Wimbledon Football Club, and from there then progressed into coaching and management, working with the Fulham Football Club Academy and also overseeing Tooting and Mitcham Football Club. Ian progressed into scouting, firstly with Ian Holloway at Millwall Football Club, and has from there enjoyed various roles with the likes of Northampton and AFC Wimbledon, where he today serves as a senior first-team scout. Ian is someone who's been around football for a very long time and has vast experience, so I'm really looking forward to hearing more about his story and speaking to him about his views on the scouting industry. Let's lock in. Yes. Good morning, Ian. Thanks for joining us. How are you? Yeah, morning, Humphrey. Yeah, no, very well, thanks. Yeah, um, busy day today with the with the window transfer window, but I'm I'm good. I'm uh, yeah, looking really? forward to today. Well, I really do appreciate you taking the time to to come on and speak. And like any other guest, um, the starting point is always me asking you to just introduce yourself and give us a bit more about your background and how you got into football. Uh, yeah, so I'll, I'll keep it brief, but I mean, um, in terms of my football background, um, I was very fortunate enough to be a, a professional footballer, um, albeit um, a little bit uh, limited in terms of game time, but I'm very fortunate to sort of play in all the divisions a long time ago, so Division 1, 2, 3 and 4, uh, worked my way down pretty quick and then went into non-league as well, um, came out of football, didn't know what to do, so I did all my coaching badges and I was... Again, fortunate to pass my A licence by the age of sort of 32, 33. So, and that was in 2002. So, got into coaching, carried on my football career on, on, in that pathway and then got involved to managing non-league, uh, managed sort of five, five teams in, 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 the, in the pyramid system as well. So, that's how I sort of got into football. Um, love seeing players develop, love watching games. I don't know how many games I've watched at all different levels and different standards. Um, and at the moment, presently doing sort of scouting for, for AFC Wimbledon. So still sort of very much watching games, exactly what I did all them years ago and, and, and still thoroughly enjoying it as well. Excellent. And let me ask you, Ian, how did you find your way into the scouting industry? How did that progress? Yeah, I, I think I was probably fortunate and, and, and the phrase of... Um, it's who you know sometimes helps, and I'm not going to hide away from, from that fact. I mean, I played with Ian Holloway at Wimbledon and Bristol Rovers, and through my time uh, in football, uh, even as non-league, sort of kept in touch and, 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 and networking, really, and see him and a lot of other sort of managers at games, just watching games. And then he asked me to get involved at, at Millwall. Um, can I come and watch and do, you know, do some, some player reports to start with for him? 
Um, and I initially was going to do that for a couple of months and ended up being five years. He left fairly quickly. Um, and then Neil Harris or Chopper Harris was there and ended up working alongside him. So I sort of made the, the, the jump straight into senior football, probably because of my background in non-league football. And I think when you're a non-league manager back in the day, you had to do player recruitment yourself. You know, you didn't have the finances to, 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 to pay scouts or you didn't have too many that you could trust or you could give that job to, to, you know, you'd always want to see the player yourself. So I was always, whenever I could, if our own team wasn't playing, I was always going to watch a potential player or, or, or another game to, to cast my over, you know, eye over that. And um, so, yeah, that's how I initially got into scouting. And yeah, that was, it was eight seasons ago. And I've sort of gone from Millwall to, to Northampton and now find myself at, at AFC Wimbledon. So, um, yeah, a little bit fortunate, really, because I knew Ian Holloway and he asked me to to, to help him out. But um, obviously, he must be still doing a fairly decent job because I'm still still involved in it. And um, yeah, so a bit bit lucky, if you like. But I think that's because of the hours and and, and the, the amount put in that, that that gets you that opportunity. Excellent. And given your experience in scouting I mean you've been you've been in football a long time from all aspects playing to coaching managing and now scouting just how important do you feel scouting is I am I think it's very important I think in terms of um, if you're talking sort of senior level and first team level you need people around you that know players um, and know players and standards compared to your own team that what you know in terms of you can get improvement I think it's very important that, um, you know, all clubs now seem to have a good, you know, the top ones, especially a good scouting system. Um, and, you know, they try and cover all areas where before it was particularly, sort of lo- you know, localised. It's now national and obviously overseas as well. So I think scouting as a whole has gone on to different levels. There's obviously, um, you know, you've got your, 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 you know, your platforms that, that are now there. They wasn't, a re, you know, before, you know, we use Scout 7, Y Scout. There's so many different sort of um, platforms that you can get information on players from as well. So I think it's, um, I think it's, it's really grown scouting, um, especially over the last probably sort of six or seven years. Um, Absolutely. I, I agree with that. And for a lot of listeners, listening to this podcast, they would be trying to get into football um, recruitment from the grassroots end, from the, the early foundations. Whereas with you, you're, you're quite unique in the sense that you're scouting at the senior level. Um, so what I want to ask is, are there any habits that you have within your own practice? Um, listen, I think whatever level you're scouting and obviously scouts in terms of grassroots levels I still think it's important you know where you know in terms of the philosophy of the club or the philosophy of the team that you're trying to or you're scouting for I think that's very important I mean first team level is a little bit different um, some clubs are sort of set in stone in terms of formation in terms of the particular criteria that, that, that a position has to meet for instance, when I was at Millwall, Millwall seemed to play 4-4-2. They wanted a right footer on the right and they wanted a left footer on the left. So it kind of, in a funny way, that kind of made it a little bit easier once you know the standard of your own team. In terms of grassroots, 
again, I think you, you need to go and watch games. You've got to put the hard yard in. You've got to go and watch games on a on a cold, windy, wet Saturday, if you like, and, and on, a, on a Tuesday. Because if you're going to watch a player and you're going to put a player in or you're going to recommend a player, you've got to back yourself. You've got to, you know, in terms of building up your own credibility, you're not always going to get it right, of course, but you have to put the mileage in and you have to go and watch players six, seven times. How do they react on different days, different conditions? Are they going to be in a different position? What happens if the weather's really windy, rainy? Is there anything that may differ from a hot, sunny day? All these kind of things will give you a little bit more knowledge of that particular player. Yeah. Um, you know, whether whether that be an under seven, under eights, under nines, I still think you need to do that. Obviously, there's a lot of development within that age, of course. You know, and and, and you've got to try and the first thing I look at, you know, and, and, and my boy's now 27, and I coached his team when they was seven and, and watched him develop but I like kids that, 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 that are happy smiling all the things that we do as, a, as coaches to start with we want them to enjoy it if you're looking for, for levels my first thing is technical ability you know like can, can they receive the ball in tight situations are they good with both feet you know are they comfortable in possession of the football that's what I like first of all when you're looking a little bit older afield especially in senior level hard work you know, game understanding, there's all of these sort of things that, that come into play. But if you're looking purely for grassroots, if you know the standards and you know the levels you're competing at and what you're looking for, it will give you a, a gauge and, 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 and more of a, an understanding of the player, the boy or the girl that you're trying to pitch in that team. You know, because really speaking, they probably should be, if you're putting a, a, a boy or girl into an academy as such, I think they would probably need to be in the top five or six within that team, I'm guessing, in your eyes, to, to get signed up. Um, but as I say, as any sort of scout, I think you need to do the hard mileage and I think you need to watch them on numerous times and know the standards that you're, you're, you're trying to pitch them into. Yeah, good advice. And so just coming back to your role um, with AFC Wimbledon, scouting for the first team there, what pressures would you say come with the role? Pressures today, because we need to get a striker in. But um, <laughs> uh, look, I mean, there's, there's always pressure because, you know, the player that you are recommending, you know, you don't know how it's going to actually pan out. There's lots of scenarios that could happen. Does the player play in the right position that you're recommending? Will the player freeze? There's lots of little things, but there's always pressure because you put pressure on yourself. And that's why, as I said earlier, you have to back yourself. Um, but at the moment with Wimbledon, we've got sort of a small sort of football committee and, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm fortunate enough to be to be on that committee. So it's, it's rather than have a director of football as such, the three or four of us that make decisions on particular players. Obviously, the manager has the overriding decision. Um, so it is... Um, Sometimes it is sort of a little bit more difficult because finances might take, um, you know, come into play. Um, location might come into it. There's lots of little things. It's not just, is he good enough? Let's sign him. There's, you wouldn't believe the sort of the, the, how long it takes to get someone over the line sometimes because at senior level, obviously, agents are now involved as well. So there's, um, yeah, there's quite a lot to it. And it, and, and, and it is... Um, in terms of pressure, I'll say you put pressure on yourself. I did that as a player, but 
Um, there's always pressure because first team level is more results driven than than, than, the, than the grassroots, if you like, for development. So you're looking for instant success, really, uh, rather than sort of developmental. Okay, and so to the conventional football fan, uh, you know, the Premier League is widely accessible, um, so and there's a lot of coverage. But for you, who is is working essentially with a club at SU Modern in the football league, you obviously cast your eye over loads of games at that level, as well as probably the, the typical Premier League games on TV. What would you say the differences are between the two environments? You know, from watching a Premier League game to a EFL League One game. Well, the differences in terms of the overriding fact is obviously here that the, obviously the quality of the player first and foremost, but. For us, we are an you know an EFL division division one team. So in terms of the market that you're looking in, I mean, we would probably be, we wouldn't be looking in the Premier League. The Premier League is um, way above the levels and financially the levels that, that, that we can afford or we can get the player. The, the, the Premier League has got seems to have everything there for the player. Um, the, the EFL, you know, you want to sign a player with a good attitude that wants to do really well. Um, so in, in terms of the EFL, you know, it's, um, it's a totally different, it's a totally different environment. You know, it's, um, you want players that are going to come in the building that want to actually play for you, want to do well, want to, want to achieve, want to go on, want to push on, want to get to the Premier League because the Premier League is the ultimate goal. You know, you're playing on probably the best stage in the world and also, you know, financially, it's it's not when I was a player. Financially, you know, you, you if you look after yourself, you're made for life. Um, where in the EFL, it's 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 way way down the way down the list in terms of some of the. Actually, to be fair, the pitches have massively improved. I don't know if you've seen all the pitches now. The pitches all the way through the EFL and the National League in terms of non-league are very good. So the pitches are good. So in terms of the quality of the pitch, that doesn't. Um, you know, come into play. But in terms of, you know, you're playing in front of 20,000 or 40,000 people and even more at, at Arsenal and, and Liverpool, you know, compared to, we get we get between seven and eight, which is good. Um, you know, I went to Gillingham at the weekend. Gillingham was sort of 3,000. So sometimes, you you know, it's, a, it's totally different in terms of atmosphere. You've got to bring your own atmosphere to it if you like and and, and motivate yourself to, to to aspire and do well um because i you know there's so many scouts at efl games you wouldn't believe um, from from premier league teams and that applies to non-league as well you know you go to some non-league games and there is some gems out there it's just making sure that you know you, the player has the right attitude as well even at even at a non-league game um that, and you know that want to if you're going to put a non-league player into a professional environment, you're doing it because you feel they have the capabilities and the ability to play at that level, um, and making sure that you know they are—they're not going to come in and you know think that they've made it. They're going to work incredibly hard as a, as, a, as a footballer. If they come in and work incredibly hard, they will have a chance. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree with that. And I've got two questions there, Ian. Firstly, you mentioned that the levels are, you know, there's a massive contrast. What are the individual factors then that would 
differentiate between the EFL League One and the Premier League? Is it technical quality? Is it physical capabilities? What are they? Um, I wouldn't say a little mixture of all, to be perfectly honest. You know, in terms of physical, yeah, you know, they seem to, you know, a lot of them are technically very, very gifted now. Their all-round game is probably streets ahead of some of the EFL players. You know, if you look... Um, I don't know, I'm going to give an example, but obviously Chelsea compared to, to AFC Wimbledon, in terms of the vast difference, it, it, it's going to be huge if you put. Um, but, you know, you'd like to think that work rate shouldn't come into that. Work rate should be the same. Desire should be the same. Passion should yes. be the same. Wanting to achieve should be the same. Technical ability, yes. Of course, you're going to get a, a better calibre, you know, player at Chelsea. And probably in terms of athleticism, pace, phys- you know, physicality does come into it as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, for me personally, I, I, I you know, I, I look for technique. I look for technical players. I want people to be comfortable on the ball, be able to play passes, have a good awareness. Game understanding is huge. You know, the, the Premier League players do not make as many mistakes as probably some of the EFL um, and that sometimes is not always technical. That can be just being switched on and focused and understanding what position to be in at certain times in relation to where the ball is. Um, so, yeah, but as I say, desire and passion and, and work rate, there should be absolutely no no difference. Yeah, I think that, that last point you make there about the, the, the tactical understanding and the game IQ is really important. I remember listening to an interview Reese James did a few years ago, and he mentioned how when he was at Wigan, he, he noticed that there was a lot more turnovers in possession and players would give the ball away in, in yeah. the championship as opposed to now playing in the Premier League with Chelsea. Yeah, no, I'd agree with that. I mean, if you, you know, turnovers are huge lower down. But if you give the ball away to the likes of Chelsea, it might take you 10 minutes to get the ball back. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) That's right. Okay. Right. I I wanted to get your views on a few different themes. Um, Quite different, actually. And the first theme, um, which I guess this can probably speak towards development and also football transfers, is the benefits of loans. And, and just wanted to know your thoughts on the loan system and how clubs use loans, whether that's AFC Wimbledon loaning players down into the National League or whether it be Chelsea loaning players down into the Championship or League One. What are your thoughts on loans? Well, loans works both ways. I mean, you'd like to think your younger players, you know, will benefit from playing men's football, uh, providing that the environment and the manager that you're loaning them to is the right one. Um, and they're going to go on and develop. Um, I think that's really important. And, and actually, women have done really well with their loans. Um, you know, we've had, rather than sometimes sticking to the 23 football, which can be a little bit misleading and false at times, you know, it's, um, you know, it can be sort of lead them into sort of some, I would say, um, sort of false, if you like, um, sort of mindset in terms of they might think that this is how it's going to be when they get into a first-team environment and it's not because, you know, they roll it out of the back and then it goes back and it sometimes can be a little bit slow 
if you go and watch an EFL game or a National League game, it is a little bit more crash bang, a little bit more dynamic, and there's aggression into it as well. You don't really see too many tackles at 23 football, but you will do if you go and watch an, a lower EFL or you're going to go and watch National League. So getting them into, you know, it's all everyone always says they've got to be physical, they've got to look after themselves, et cetera, et cetera. But I also think in terms of having the game understanding as well, you know, it might be a slight build in terms of a player who may have to adjust and find a way of receiving the ball against a bigger, thicker set centre-half, if you like. So in terms of um, finding solutions, finding solutions for that player, can that player adapt? Can that player come up with answers, if you like? And, and a lot of the loans have been that we've put out have been good. Um, you know, obviously Alfie Bentley's, you know, gone on loan to Corinthian Casuals, come back, not just signed his first pro contract, you know, and he's gone out as a, as a 16-year-old playing in men's football, you know, obviously providing he, you know, he's um, he can actually physically do it, which he can, but he's just found a way of playing and a way of adapting as well and coming up with solutions. So I think if you get the right club in the right environment, loaning players out, great, it's going to hopefully develop that player. Um, you've obviously got to, you've got to monitor it though. You've got to monitor the situation and constantly as a scout or scouts go and watch how, how are they developing? Is there anything they need to improve in their, in, you know, in their game and talk to, talk to the player. Um, and on the flip side, sometimes getting loan players in from higher clubs. I mean, we've done it this year and all, all the other clubs I've had, we've done it. Um, can work can't work if I'm brutally honest it's not all, we like to think they all gonna, they're all going to work they come from the likes of Fulham or they come from Chelsea they're going to come in hit the ground running um, and it can benefit to build up relationships with other clubs I have to say in terms of us because you are obviously what you're doing you are developing their player but on the flip side for, for, for a club like Wimbledon you're trying to do you're trying to build a relationship up with that particular club but you're also hoping that a lone player is probably better than what you've got in terms of so otherwise there is no points um, and in terms of the squad you know you, 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 you it's a real balancing act because you get a lone player in realistically you've got to try to play them and try to fit them in your system and it doesn't always kind of fit and it probably if I'm honest at Wimbledon it hasn't probably fitted in as much as it probably should have done, but I'm not, you know, I'm not saying it won't towards the back end of the season, but it's, um, yeah, it's a, it's a tough one because like I said, right at the start, you're taking an under 23 player who hasn't played any senior football from a pro club and it's a first time loan. You're not quite sure how they're going to develop and how they're going to react to, to situations. It's, it's, you know, like I said, will they freeze? Will they not freeze? It's a different ball game to playing under 23 football. The crowd reacting to you, against you, for you, all these kind of scenarios, they don't get that in 23 football. So it's, um, if they can come through it, and, 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 and you know, obviously the Harry Canes and the others, they've all gone through that loan experience. Reese James that you mentioned earlier, yeah. and it has stood them in good stead. So it, 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 obviously you do it because you think and you believe it will work. Um so I do think, you know, the, the clubs like Wimbledon, I think it's, you've got to get a couple of loans in for definite, um, providing they're the right ones, of course. In your observations, 
in relation to those ones that you said just haven't quite worked what were the reasons you think um maybe just because of um uh in terms of you know you'd argue maybe going with your eyes the system probably hasn't quite suited one or two of them um haven't pushed on to what you felt they would aspire to in that short-term loan. I mean, a short-term loan is normally sort of six months or a year, if you like, half a season or a season. Um, and you want them to progress and develop and improve. Um, and some probably, you know, a couple of them we've had, unfortunately, have had any, any, a couple of injuries which have slowed their process down. As I said, it's a real tough one because you want to develop your own players first and foremost. Yeah. But loans come in there because they expect to play. So that's a balancing act trying to get them that 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 perfect and that solution, but it doesn't always work. Um, we're not been million miles away, and, and and you know, so we've had a few loans, we had a few good ones in last season, but this season probably the loans would argue that they haven't played as much as they would have liked to. But as I say, that's not to say they won't in the back back end when there's more games. Okay, brilliant. The next theme, let's say, in relation to scouting. Um, a hot topic, and you'll be well versed to speak on this. Non-league gems. Mm. Yeah, no, I love non-league gems. If you can find one or you know one, let me know. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're definitely out there. If you can find um, a good player from non-league, what do you know? What it, it it brings a smile to your face to see the, the the right person, the right character go on, and you know develop and have a football career, especially if they're a a hard-working kid and and, and and want to aspire and want to achieve because, um, as I said, and, and you said, they're out there. They are definitely out there. I think it's um, it's taking, uh, you know, backing yourself and getting and taking the, the managers, you know, got to be able to take a chance and trust your opinion on a player. Most of them are normally trials. Very rarely do you see a non-league player. Having said that, a couple have gone this week, but very rarely do they come in and get signed for, for X amount of money. Um, a lot of them will go on trial for a week or whatever, and then hopefully do enough within that week. But non-league gems are great. If you can get a non-league gem, and you can get them into your first team and watch them progress through the leagues, it's fantastic. And it gives you, a, you know, especially if you spotted them, it gives you a sense of pride. Yeah, absolutely. I can imagine. You mentioned their attitude, desire, you know, albeit let's say mental qualities of an individual play a part for a non-legion but is there anything else that you would say is all is all is, is an asset for a non-league gem um or in well, most, most non-league players will have that if they've got <clears throat> if they haven't got that then they don't want to um achieve then you're probably not going to take him and take a look anyway but again you know I've watched that Ollie Tanner, and Ollie Tanner is the one that Lewis, that supposedly, for whatever reason, I don't know. Yeah. Tottenham um, were interested in him. I don't know if you've read that. Yeah. Right. Yes, yeah. Uh, technically, he's outstanding. You know, very, very good. One of the one of the best ones that, that I've seen for for a little while. Um, and there's always something within a game or a moment within a game that you go, oh, that was fantastic. Um, 
you know, especially if you're going to do your homework and you're going to watch them, as I said to you before, you need to watch them six or seven times. Slough have got a, a centre forward and he, he was in that same bracket, if I'm brutally honest. I looked at him and the first time there was a wow moment. I, I don't even know what it was. I think it was a, a header or the way that he came across as an 18-year-old playing in men's football. Um, but I just thought, oh, where did that come from? How good was that? Um, and again, knowing the levels that because you're, you, you're used to the sort of standards and you've watched so many games, you can, as I said, that moment you don't very, you very rarely see. Um, as I say, whether that's a technical bit of skill or whether that's um, just someone's understanding of the game. As I say, that instance from the lad with Slough was when he came across and got in front of the centre-half for a header movement you know that kind of thing so yeah. I would say in terms of a wow you know I, I, there's always a moment or moments that you get you watching that player further and closer that, that, you know you can watch loads of games but a lot of them I'm free to be honest can be similar so you're looking for something that go oh god that was good yeah um, so but yeah um, that's probably it I would say a, a, a little moment and it might doesn't have to be a you know, a step over or a trick or a Cruyff turn, that doesn't have to impress you. As I say, it might just be a simple pass and drop off to receive the next pass. It could be anything. Um, I think kids sometimes are blinded by having loads of tricks and loads of skill that's going to get you to that elite level. And it doesn't always, you know, sometimes it can be striking a ball. Yeah, I totally relate to that. I think actually just to speak more on that it's when you you're watching a game and then a player an individual player does something which potentially showcases their outstanding attributes and then you're mm. like wow and then it comes again and that moment comes again whether it's six or seven minutes later and then before you know it that player sparked your interest and um yeah you then continue them yeah no it does definitely and as i say you watch them closely then don't you you watch their movement yeah Everything, you know, you, you, you study them. Um, but yeah. Brilliant. Right. In your world, subjectivity is going to be a massive part. Football is a game of opinions. And so how do you navigate that having to deal with loads of different other recruitment members um, or coaches' opinions about players? How do you, how do you go about that? Uh, listen, I mean, football is a game of opinions. You know, you're not, you're not, just because you you believe in in somebody or or a coach doesn't mean it's right. And I think sometimes, I think for me, I've always listened to other people. I've always tried to learn off other people and get other people's ideas and opinions. You you know, you, as I said to you before, you got to back yourself if you actually believe in. Um, for instance, if you believe in a player, just and you actually of watch that player and, and and believe they're better than the standard you're pitching them at, but the coach doesn't, for instance, then you still got to, as I say, take whatever the coach says, negative, positive, the reasons why he doesn't think. But I've always, you know, if, 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 if you're watching that particular player and, 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 you, and you back yourself, then back yourself. But, you know, I think football is a game of opinions. People have um, ideas on systems and tactics and players, and you might not always agree with it. You've only got to listen to pundits on the telly; they don't they don't agree after time. Um, but yeah, I mean, listen, always get advice, always listen. 
you know, you, you, because you might not agree, but you might pick something up and you might learn from just one or two little comments. So, you know, I think it's important you do, um, you do, uh, you know, you can be opinionated, but have always have a little gap that, that allows you to, to take on board other ideas, because if it's going to improve you as a person, as well as a football coach, then, you know, or a scout, then, it's, it, you know, it can only be a good thing. Good advice. And following on from that, I'd I'd ask you, how do you think the industry could further further be professionalised? Football scouts. Yeah, football scouts is a tough one because um, I always think that working at a particular club, I think the possible clubs. I'm not saying AFC Wimbledon because they've been great, but I, I talk to other scouts, and sometimes you can be left alone too much. It's a very sort of lonesome job, if you like. Um, and I feel that it could be more integration with clubs. You know, clubs can do a little bit more, maybe CPD work with the scouts, get them involved a little bit more, invite them into training, that kind of thing. I know the FA have done, obviously, your talent IDs now. Um, so there is a learning curve, but scouting on the whole is either voluntary or expenses. So if you're doing it in that particular aspect and I just really believe that the club should get more involved and get the scout more involved as I get them into the training ground make it make them feel part of the club I think there's sometimes in some some um, clubs as I say not actually Wimbledon because they're actually fantastic but some clubs I feel as though the scouting the scout is distant from the manager and from the coaching staff and the setup if you like where realistically they 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 they're backing your opinion on signing a player um, and you're distant. So I think that clubs, personally, professional clubs, even sort of grassroots clubs can get scoutings more involved. And if they can do that, then then uh, you'll, you'll, you'll probably see the difference from a scout because you will feel really part of it. Brilliant. Thanks. What advice would you give to aspiring scouts, Ian? Um, Simply go and watch games, go and watch standards. You know, there's, if you can't go and watch them on the on the touchline, even watch them online. There's so many different games and as I say, platforms that you can get information and, and, and watch live games at. I just think for me, any scout, if you're going to work, if you are a scout and you're working for a particular club, go and watch your own club first. That's the first thing I would do. Go and watch the levels, whether that's an under 10, under 11, under 12, team. go and watch them. Speak to the manager, speak to the coach, find out a little bit more about their philosophy, their system, and then go and watch games. Go and watch them, you know, and um, if there's a, a little boy or a little girl that isn't going to improve or in your eyes going to improve and the 11 or the 7 or whatever it is, at least then, um, you know, you've, you've got to know the standards and, and, and that would be the thing for me. It's games. But firstly, go and watch your own team play. That's what I would say. Great advice. Thank you, Ian. Just before we end, we, we always finish off with a triple P quiz. Um, it's based on our three pillars at Lionheart Football, passion, purpose and potential. So the aim is, Ian, for you to answer the questions in as few words possible. That's not easy for me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm sure you'll do all right. OK, first question. Why is football scouting your passion? Because I get a buzz out of seeing players and players develop. 
simple as that. I get a real thrill for it. Love it. Brilliant. What is the purpose of your role? Uh, the purpose currently is to find players for AFC Wimbledon's first team. How can a player fulfil their potential? By analysing their own performance, firstly. So what I mean by that, and I'll keep it brief, whenever I played, and it was a long time, <laughs> but I would always analyse my own game. What could I do better? How, and what, what did I do well and what can I do better? And if a player at any age group has the understanding to do that, they will improve. I don't like it when players turn around and say, yeah, I played well. I did all right. Why did you play well? Why, why, if you did all right, how can you improve? And if they understand that, any boy or girl, and they can actually ask themselves questions, then they've got a great chance. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. It's promoting students of the game and reflective learners, as even as even as football players. So brilliant. No, Ian, thank you for that. I really enjoyed that. And um, I really appreciate your time with you anyway. Yeah, no, of course. Yeah, no, of course. Um, I can only sort of uh, well, thank you firstly for, 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 for listening to me waffle on, but I, um, no, I enjoyed it. But of course, if any scouts, I'm on LinkedIn and um, there's easy ways of, of getting hold of me. So never a problem. Put your profile in the show notes. Ian, once again, thank you for your time.